Welcome to Episode 5 of the 6Ms of Manufacturing Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Temple. Did you know that July is National Ice Cream Month? What an auspicious occasion to celebrate by interviewing Jennifer Randall Collins, CEO of Proof Alcohol Ice Cream, located in Columbia, South Carolina. Grab a spoon and let's dig into this sweet and spirited episode. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining me for this episode. I'm really excited to kind of go through a little bit more about Proof Alcohol Ice Cream. Really glad you could join me today. Well, thank you, Adrian. I'm uh, honored and humbled to uh, participate. And thank you for sharing a platform um, where we can share our journey and our story. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, I really like to just jump into it a little bit. I know some of the people that might be listening to this podcast may or may not already be familiar with your brand. So I want to give you that chance to kind of talk a little more about the brand itself and your your products that you currently have available. Yeah. So, um, you know, proof hard ice cream um, that contains regulated al- alcohol levels. And, and we're one of the only brands in the space, space to have regulated levels of alcohol in our product and uh, our, our manufacturing facility is located in Columbia, South Carolina. And we ship out, ship out daily. We, we manufacture product in-house in Columbia, South Carolina, ship that out daily to wholesalers and retailers in the Southeast and as well as the Midwest and in uh, California as well. Well, awesome. Can you mention some of the flavor combinations that you guys have? I think that's always an interesting component of your product offerings. What are some of the ones that you currently feature right now? Absolutely. So um, we we have core, we have five core flavors uh, that are uh, currently in production and in retail. And those are bourbon caramel, uh, mocha chocolate, uh, cheesecake, a strawberry, and then a uh, coconut rum that's very popular during the summer, as you can imagine. And then we also have rotating seasonals um, depending upon the season. So, for instance, um, during what we call OND, which is October, November, December in the alcohol business, um, we see uh, we, we roll out flavors such as uh, pumpkin spice, which is actually very nice, and apple pie, as well as uh, peppermint Um hard ice cream in the month of December. Yeah, you got to have the pumpkin flavor right in the fall and everything that you do, right? (laughs) You do. And you know, the irony of that, I'm not a big, um, me personally, I'm not a big pumpkin pie fan, but this ice cream is absolutely amazing. um, uh, The the way the the flavors meld together and it's more, it reminds me more of a, a pumpkin cheesecake. Really? That sounds really awesome. I'll be excited to see that one come around. Now, you, you launched that around that October timeframe when all the pumpkin spice with Starbucks and some of those others come out. <laughs> that's exactly it. And that's that's when I was looking at our, our seasonal flavors, uh, look a lot to, to what Starbucks does. You know, I don't, we don't need to, to recreate the wheel here. Um, but, you know, following and looking at Starbucks, different expressions with their lattes and and other coffees has been uh, actually quite helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me, tell me a little bit, you know, kind of going back to, you know, you're located in Columbia, that's where you're manufacturing currently, you know, what kind of brought you to to South Carolina? So more of the origin story of how this even got started and what brought you to South Carolina to, to choose to manufacture this product? 
Absolutely, Adrian. So I'm I'm originally from Kentucky, and you know, in Kentucky, we're known for three things: it's you know, bourbon, basketball, and horse racing. Um, of which all three that that I enjoy dearly. Um, and, and gr- growing up in Kentucky, uh, with a bit of a gritty upbringing, um, had God-given ability in the form of athleticism that. I was able to parlay that into um, a basketball scholarship and pretty heavily recruited out of high school. I was very fortunate in that regard and ended up choosing the University of South Carolina to continue my education and and basketball career. So developing those skill sets, um, certainly at the University of South Carolina, um, has helped helped me in my day-to-day job as as a CEO of Proof. Um, you know, went, went after graduation, went back home, uh, got married and had two beautiful children, um, that are also helping in the business to this day, uh, to some extent, and then ended up having an opportunity to, um, get involved in this, in this alcohol ice cream industry back in 2014, spent a lot of time researching, um, the alcohol industry to understand how we would license and and be permitted to to sell our product and South Carolina popped up as a very friendly state certainly from a, a manufacturing perspective so um, relocated uh, from Kentucky to South Carolina to Columbia South Carolina and and launched uh, our first iteration in 2015 with the proof of concept. So getting started, and I mean, the, the alcohol ice cream, it, that's a very niche market, is it not? I mean, that's not very well known. That's not something that has a lot of people in the space currently, or at, at least at the time when you first started. Is that correct? It did not. Yeah, there was nobody. It's interesting because I know, at least growing up in Kentucky, um, bourbon is infused into to a lot of foods, not not just ice cream. There's, you know, bread pudding, marinades, things of that nature. So I guess, you know, in my head, why not ice cream? Um, but, you know, going back during that time, you know, we're really creating, um, we're creating this market category right now. And the, when you look at the gourmet food industry, um, you know, that, that's a billion dollar industry. Um, so we're creating, while it's a, li- a bit of a, a niche market, it's a really big niche. So we feel, you know, we're very optimistic on, on our, our ability to scale and, and grow this product, certainly domestically as well as internationally. Well, when you first started, I, I think I met you pretty early in that phase. Um, this this dates back a good ways now. <laughs> Time flies when you're having yeah. fun. Um so when you, when you really started, I mean, you were, I mean, really being innovative just in your distribution process and trying to get it out into the marketplace. And at that time, it was a lot more on, I know, restaurants at that time. And were you in some of the some of the store locations at that time in the in the early years or did that no, kind of come actually, over time? No, that's that's a great question. So did the the proof of concept initially in a Adrian, I think I met you in 2015 when we were off of Shop Road in a yes. very, very small facility. Um, and, you know, I was not making ice cream, but I was certainly driving around to the retailers and, and, and doing the proof of concept, you know, out of the back of my um, out of the back of a Jeep. So um, where we've gone from 
2015 to where we are today is just absolutely amazing. And, and the initial focus was on the restaurant industry a bit, as well as some of the independent retailers. Um, and one of the first big breaks came with um, Total Wine & More uh, as as a as an alcohol retailer carrying our product in state. And our, and our second big break actually came um, with Lowe's Foods in late, right before COVID, late 2019, early 2020. So the, the growth that we've seen with the quality of retailers has just been exponential and very, very fortunate. What are some of the things, because we have a lot of, I would say, you know, South Carolina is really rich in just the entrepreneurial spirit of a lot of folks here. I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, kind of bootstrapping their own businesses and getting started. And it may actually put them in the food retail space when you think about, you know, again, sauces, jams, things like that as well. When you look at just trying to break into that retail space, I mean, what are some of the things that when you got started, maybe you weren't aware you were going to encounter or the requirements that would be there or maybe what some of the barriers are in general. I think it'd just be good education for a lot of people that are looking at trying to grow their business in their, that sort of food retail space, um, especially with like brochures and things like that. Any any thoughts there, things that you were kind of aha moments for you that presented some challenges trying to operate and grow in that space? Yeah, I think it comes down to communication and trust, with, whether it's internally with your team or externally when you're dealing with, with retailers. And having the ability to listen to, to the retailers on what their consumers want. So really a heavy focus on the consumer experience with our product or another CPG product has been a real key point for us. Um, and then, of course, you know, I mean, going going back back to the manufacturing side, you know, having all of your, you know, your GMPs in place, um, your systems and processes, all the things that we, we know about in manufacturing have been absolutely critical. And, and my, my other big one is, is having a, a phenomenal partner. Adrian, as you know, when you mentioned the entrepreneurial community, uh, you know, Dirk Brown, I, I would hope immediately comes to everybody's mind. Um, Dirk is my business partner, but he he gives a lot back to the entrepreneurial community here in South Carolina. And I think has been one of the leading voices for the state of South Carolina as it relates to entrepreneurship, whether in the CPG space, tech space, or, or otherwise. Yeah. And, and Dirk is, he's involved with the, with USC as well, University of South Carolina as well. Correct. And some of that, you know, in that entrepreneurial yeah. space, right? So very experienced yeah. in that area. Exactly, yeah. It's a faculty director at um, McNair Institute for um, Enterprise, if I'm not mistaken, might might be the title, but certainly out and about in the community and, you know, teaching about entrepreneurship every day, which, you know, I've learned, I, I've been so fortunate to partner with him, with Dirk, um, and I've learned so much. It's it's not every day that you get to partner, you know, with your with your mentor. And Dirk was one of the first intros in 2015, um, where I realized that entrepreneurship is alive and well and thriving in South Carolina. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great that you do have a partner that has experience in that space and obviously helps to to really navigate through some of those things that other people just starting out on their own don't have a really good understanding or have resources to to sort of give them some 
guidance on. So it's it's great that you have such a strong partner that understands what that's really like. Um, I think one of the things that I'd kind of like to understand, I mean, you know, again, just through the iterations of growing and different things that you've encountered, I mean, just kind of take me through a little bit, you know, some of the phases of growth that you guys have had. Cause like I said, when we first met, you were really just getting started you know, very small operation, right? Small location. I know you move locations later on, but, you know, there's just been, you know, a lot of change and flexing and I'm sure your processes have, have definitely mirrored a lot of that based on demand and how you can easily meet that and obviously service a, a much larger region than just say South Carolina now, right? You're saying Southeast Midwest. Kind of talk me through some of those changes, some of those growing, you know, pains and, and things like that that you've experienced kind of growing this business. Oh gosh, you're taking me back, Adrian. This, this is a great, great question because you know when I first met you, it, you know because we do a, a handcrafted batch process. You know we 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 utilize one machine. We we had I don't know if you remember this, Adrian. We had white chest freezers. Yes. Um, and uh, basically, we had a it was a an F two fifty. Uh, pickup truck with a, a Kidron box on the back and a Thermo King compressor that really wasn't quite made for ice cream. It was made more for flowers, but we, we'd turn that thing down and, and run down the highway and, and get to the retailer as fast as we could. So th- those were the early days, which I kind of miss, quite frankly. Sometimes I miss it um, because the, 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 the values that you create amongst team members and getting, you know, struggling well together are, are so empowering. But, you know, we've gone from, from that, Adrian, that single truck to distribution partners on both coasts, um, multiple ice cream machines, uh, you know, freezer space in our facility that can hold up to 25 pallets of product. Um, and it's just the, the, the lessons learned, there's been some very tough lessons along the way, but the lessons learned, uh, along the way are to surround yourself with, with, you know, the best people that you can, the the A players that share your vision, recognizing that those folks are, um, you know, going to sacrifice for, for one another. So that, that growth and finding that right fit whether it was personnel or capabilities, um, it's. I think it's important to take your time. Now, I have not nailed this when, when it comes to people. We have amazing people, um, but but finding the the right. I would say it like this: it's making making sure that you have people on the right seats on the right bus, um, if you will, and and. and the faster you can do that, the the better off you are long term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many staff do you have now? Gosh, when I met you, we had like three. Um, yeah. Now we're up to yeah, we're 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 at we're we're about thirty. Um, and then we have seasonal as well, where where we have brand ambassadors that are in the, the field doing demos. So another uh, ten to fifteen of those folks, and then. You know, we, we rely very heavily on partnerships as well with our, our wholesale partners. Um, and then obviously, you know, we've, we've got our retail partners as well. One thing I've noticed, and, and this is a testament to kind of how things have, have really changed. And, and obviously just from the time that we started 
discussing your business to to now, I just see such a major shift, but I see a lot more um, marketing <laughs> about proof is showing up in my feed in, in LinkedIn and I'm seeing it on my, my regular social feed. So um, it's really awesome to see because the visibility is great. I see the coolers in, in areas that I go to as well that have your branding clearly on it. Talk to me a little bit about kind of getting to that point where it's it's really starting to create a lot of visibility and excitement just in the marketing side of it. Because I know before it was a lot of, you know, you, you guys were trying to get out into the market space and, and prove out this, this proof of concept and then scale it. And then all of a sudden now I'm seeing it's much more visible that, that this brand exists, which is super exciting. But just kind of talk to me a little bit about that, that next phase of growth, right, where the marketing really takes off and makes you more visible to the consumer market. Well, that, that, that's a great question as well. And it, it's interesting. It's interesting and your timing's perfect um, because as we have scaled up, we have actually just recently hired a, uh, a, a president and COO, a, a gentleman by the name of Russ Klein. And he was actually the, the global president for Burger King, um, also had senior executive roles at um, – at 7-Up, Dr. Pepper, and in other CPG areas. Um, and he is helping us take that next step. And that goes back to the A players that we talk about. Um, and along with, with Russ, we, we also hired um, a, a new agency. It's called Instigate. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marketing agency that has tremendous CPG experience from you know Levi's to Diageo brands, um, and, and those folks are helping us take the next steps on exposure as well. Um, but I'll tell you what's interesting. Um, oh, and then Rick Gillis. I'm sorry, I have to mention Rick while I have you, Adrian. Um, he he comes to us from the wholesaler space in California and and ran a you know a hundred million dollar company on the West Coast at one point in the alcohol distribution space. So having all these folks with experience that Dirk and I don't have um, to help us take the next step has been incredibly important. And then just going back to, you know, when you talk about marketing, there's also a very simple piece of this for us, which is just get a spoon in their mouth. Um, and Adrian, you, you've had our product. It's um, there's, there's really nothing else out there like it. And I've never had anybody say to me, I don't like that product. They might not like a flavor, but there's a flavor for everyone. Um, so the, the conversion rate at our demos is astronomical um, because of that taste profile. But marketing going forward is going to be the key to getting our name out there and getting awareness out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do agree. I mean, the, the product is unbelievable. Um, absolutely. I tell everybody about it. I think um, whenever we got together and you were sharing some of the tastings and stuff, and I, I brought one of my colleagues with me that day um, when we were talking about kind of where you were and where you were headed. And I think to this day, we, we both probably rub it into everybody else that <laughs> we got to taste all of those flavors. <laughs> you yeah. Know, so. <laughs> Everybody's jealous that we can all get to go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. And Kim, you know, Kim Bowman, K Hope Creative, um, early days partner with her. They they did a phenomenal job 
of um, creating that foundational base for us, right? Um, but leaning into what I have learned as we've grown our opportunity is we, we really, we owe it to ourselves, our team, and our investors, our investor base to lean into people that, that have more CPG experience than, than Dirk or I do. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's a very nuanced space and, uh, having that experience to lean into, I've certainly learned a lot over the last, you know, four to five months that we brought these folks on board and it's been very humbling, um, to, to, to learn from them because it's, uh, man, it's a dog eat dog world out in, in CPG space. It's amazing. It's a very competitive, right? Yeah, sure. It is. Well, and I, I think one of the key things that, that really you're kind of speaking to, too, is, you know, knowing that you, you know, there's some things I don't know, right? So you're pulling in the right resources to learn from that. And they have very specific expertise in a space that, you know, you recognize I don't know the ins and outs of this. And I think when I look at other other small businesses that might be looking at a growth strategy is, you know, recognize when you're starting to get outside your depth and, and pull upon, like you said, those resources that maybe have experience in a space, you know, that you're not familiar with, or maybe you're getting to a point that you really need to pull in the right people to ask those questions or find those mentors or advisors that can help you in a very specific area of your business that might just be, you know, beyond your previous expertise as well. I mean, always being willing to learn, I think makes a huge difference and not trying to do it all yourself. Um, it's always a smart option, right? There's always things to learn. Oh, yeah, and th- and that's what I love about entrepreneurship. Like that's what I love, and that's why I dug in so hard on this op- opportunity back in 2014. Um, one because there was no there was no market for this in 2014. Certainly not a retail commercial market. There was nothing out there. Um, but it, then the opportunity to dig in and learn about regulations what's you know very barrier to entry um you know gmps and you know and manufacturing all those things i just i'd I'd love to learn and I, I love to be curious right so i think that's the hallmark in my opinion of any good entrepreneur yeah absolutely and, and manufacturing is definitely a it it offers lots of life lessons does it not <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Yes, it's very, uh, I'll tell you what, like a, a couple weeks ago, or maybe this was a month ago, I'll share this story, you'll laugh, but, um, you know, we had a, a comp- compressor go down in our, in our big freezer, in one of our big freezers, and, you know, there's a couple hundred thousand dollars of ice cream in there, you don't want to lose it, right? I mean, <laughs> so, you know, I get the call, and I'm like, I'm there. You just drop everything, go down, find solutions. And we found a solution that we have a freezer partner off campus, you know, um, off the campus of Midlands Technical College that we utilize and we got it sorted out. But it, it, it is one of those, it's, it humbles you very quickly, manufacturing, in my opinion. 
Yeah. <laughs> Any, anything could go wrong at any time. It's all about preparedness and learning from your mistakes. I think that's, that's probably anybody in, in any type of manufacturing would probably tell you that. <laughs> I think it's just always preparing for anything that could possibly go wrong. And when it does, it's taking that as a lesson and, and trying to prevent it from happening again. So I'm sure you're your compressor story, you're probably already thinking about how you can prevent that from happening again, but I'm glad you had a partner close by that could help you because that's a lot of inventory if you were to lose it, right? I mean, that's a huge impact. So, <laughs> It is. No, it, it really is. And uh, yeah, it's definitely less than learned and, and paid for a second compressor. So if another one goes down, that won't happen again. We, we've got a second backup, but yeah, it's uh we, but we have a great team. I mean, I'm so grateful. It, it, and again, it's in those moments where everybody rolls up their sleeves. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO, the chairman, or, you know, the the, the person making the ice cream. Everybody rolls their sleeves up, and they jump in, and, and they, they solve the problem together. And that's what I think really bonds teams together so closely is, is going through um, kind of going through those challenges together and coming coming out on the other side, maybe a little dirty and bruised, but still still coming out okay, you know? Oh, absolutely. And everybody seems to be, if they're all aligned around sort of the same values, like you said, everybody's pulling the same direction and really wants to see the organization be successful. And that's such a critical component of, of any team. So it's it's great that you have that type of, of culture that you're able to preserve even as you're, starting to expand and grow, you know, when it's really, really small, you know, sometimes you feel like we've got a really good core group, but as you expand, you know, obviously it presents some challenges, but it sounds like everybody's really um, clearly aligned around making the organization successful, whatever that takes, right? So pitching in where needed. And that's, that's an awesome thing. Um, that's always a challenge as you start to, to scale. So it's, it's good that you guys have that. 100%. Yeah, no, that's, we're, we're, we're very fortunate in that regard. So tell me a little bit, just because I'm curious myself, it's been a while since you and I have chatted. I'm kind of curious what's next. So you're you're doing Southeast, there's Midwest, you've got some distribution partners because when we first started, you know, obviously still really weren't in a great position there. So now you've really got some things stabilized. I mean, what's what's the plan? You know, where where are you headed from here? Obviously, you're on a growth trajectory for sure. A lot of things have changed and you've got some serious horsepower, it sounds like, by bringing in some marketing resources and some folks from that segment of the business to really help you guys take it to the next level. I mean, what is it? What's your vision for for proof in the future moving forward? What's on the horizon? So, um, you know, that, 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 that's a great question. The first thing is as we scale up, you know, operational excellence. So as we, so we've gone from one to two shifts now. And making sure in that transition of scalability that we have operational ex- excellence across the board, you know, obviously in manufacturing in particular. Um, you know, right now we're in uh, the Carolinas, you know, North, South Carolina, Florida, uh, California. We just opened up um, over the last couple of months, Missouri, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, so getting you know, operational excellence on the logistics side as, you know, getting logistics and production on the same page so that we're consistently shipping out product to these new retailers has has been very important. You know, we've got the largest retailer in the world with Walmart um, in Florida 
that is doing a phenomenal job with our products. Um, and then, you know, continue to expand out our footprint with, um, you know, we have Lowe's Foods, Harris Teeter. We've got the the main retail players in, in the Midwest in those three states that I just mentioned to you. And con- continuing to service our customers with the best quality product that we can turn out is, is our, our mission and our goal. That's a lot of that's a lot of really big names most people would recognize. So again, that's really just shows goes to show that your your product has a strong um, positioning in general. Just you know, getting exposure in those retail retailers, and that's really that's really awesome. Um, what are what are some of the beyonds like you said logistics? I'd just be interested, kind of trying to transport ice cream. Um, just can't help but be curious. <laughs> what are the what are the challenges with trying to get ice cream from point A to point B? You know how does how does that even work? Because I just I'm trying to imagine trying to preserve the integrity of that you know frozen good all the way. Is it I mean is it freezer trucks trying to hustle down the interstate to get to your distributors? I mean what is what does that really look like? Because it's a unique situation versus moving other types of of consumer goods or or even raw materials. Yeah, that so it's um you know the 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 frozen supply chain in in my humble opinion is the most difficult logistics supply chain over as far as it relates to consistency um particularly with partners. So in in my dream world we'd be negative 20 dock to dock but what you want to avoid in, in ice cream is thermal cycling, whether it's our ice cream or just traditional ice cream. So, you know, thermal cycling where you take the ten- temperature up and down multiple times um, is what creates the, you know, the ice crystals. And, you know, and when you open up a pint of, I mean, even Hagen dots right? You, you might see some bubbles around the top. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, mm-hmm. um, but that that's, where thermal cycling comes in. So ideally, you know, when it's coming out of our freezer at negative 20, it's going into a truck that is at least, you know, a semi-truck that's at least negative 15 to negative 20. Then going into the partner for DSD, which is direct store delivery, it's going into their freezer at that same temperature or lower. And then the the, the 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 wholesale partner, what we call the DSD partner, uh, makes the the deliveries to individual locations going into our retail, our proof retail freezer, at anywhere from negative two to five, and then into the the consumer's freezer after that. That's kind of the journey of the product, with the goal being to always you know um, to always go down a few degrees and not up and down throughout the process, if that makes sense. That probably doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? But you don't want heavy thermal cycling on your product so that you can avoid the the formation of some ice crystals on the, on the top. Now that makes a lot of sense, but it just, it makes you appreciate how intricate that whole supply chain really is because of the product that you're moving. Right. And there's multiple moves just to get it to, the end consumer. Um, it kind of makes you appreciate that that's a, it's a very delicate situation with the product that you're trying to, to transport and then the, the different phases that it goes through. So that's, 
that's really interesting. That's really didn't know a whole lot about that side of the business. So um, thank you for indulging me because I just try to picture Absolutely. how on earth you move that. <laughs> it's no, it's it very quickly. Very, very <laughs> as quickly, quickly as possible. Now, the, yeah, the, the dream one day is to have our own frozen warehouse where, you know, you have bay doors and then, you know, semis just backing up and it's going from negative 20 to negative 20 um without in, any ambient air to temperature but we're we're not we're not quite there yet but we're getting closer every day uh, it's going to be exciting to see how this continues to develop like i said i just i reflect back on when we first met and we stayed in contact i've seen some of the changes that have happened but you know even more recently just the like i said level of activity and marketing seeing where you guys are in your distribution model it's just really exciting to see that growth and you know, scalability and, you know, just can't help but be looking forward to the future and what's what's coming for you guys next. Um, I guess just to kind of close this out, you know, when you think of all the other entrepreneurs and folks that are trying to even just in general start up small businesses, I mean, any any nuggets of wisdom that you would share from your experience? I know we've talked about a couple of, of key things that, you know, you mentioned, but any advice you would give somebody else who's kind of looking at that daunting task of I'm starting something and I want to grow, but I just, you know, how do I get my arms around this? Any advice or, or words of wisdom you could share from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been kicked in the teeth so many times, right? I'm saying that, you know, not literally, but, um, it's just perseverance. It's, it's, it's be gritty enough to persevere. Um, and I think, I think per perseverance is underestimated because there's so many days. Well, I'll just say this. It's interesting. Um, when I talk to folks, you know, when I lay down at night and lay my, you know, lay my head down to go to sleep, you know, I, I could be, I always give thanks there's there's always something to be grateful for some nights it's thank god my kids are healthy and we have a roof over our heads right it's sometimes just that simple and then there's some nights where it's wow thank god walmart's rolling out another you know 150 stores so <laughs> i think it's just always always finding trying to find nuggets of joy in the journey when when things are really hard and and then just really celebrating the the small wins, which and I haven't done that as much as I should, quite frankly. And I've owned that with our team, you know, to stay humble and just keep persevering, um, because you know tomorrow's a new day. It, it's having the opportunity to improve and be better every day is part of the joy that I find on, on the entrepreneurial journey. And, and I learn from our team every day, you know, be humble enough to, to take feedback as hard as it is sometimes. Um, and, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I know it sounds so basic, but it really is that simple uh, to me is just, you know, keep, keep persevering. Well, I appreciate you sharing that kind of, perspective. I know a lot of people do face a lot of challenges when it comes to especially trying to launch your own business. And I'm sure there's gonna be so many, so many days that it feels like it's a fruitless pursuit. So I think hearing directly from somebody who's been successful and, and has faced a lot of challenges, uh, you know, hopefully that resonates with a lot of those folks to just keep on and 
you know, put that behind them. And that was yesterday and today's a new day. Um, I think it's, it's good to share that with folks and keep them, keep them driving towards their own personal goals. So I, I appreciate you doing that. Um, I just personally want to thank you. It's been so much fun catching up with you and glad to be able to share your story a little bit with some of our listeners, but thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me and talk a little bit more about proof ice cream. Adrian, thank you so much. Again, it's it's very humbling to to have this conversation. You have been amazing to to me and our company as well as SCMEP um, and the entire state of South Carolina. We are so grateful to be located here, and uh, we we know it. So thank you. I really appreciate that. That's truly humbling for me. It's it's our mission to to help small and mid-sized manufacturers, especially. And, and you guys are definitely one of those folks that we want to see thrive and succeed and continue to grow. So thank you for that. That really means a lot, but it's been so much fun. Uh, we'll stay in touch, but thank you again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Please do. Adrian, thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Thanks. You too. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the six M's of manufacturing podcast. Thanks to Jennifer Randall Collins for sharing the brand story of proof alcohol ice cream and a firsthand account of her own entrepreneurial journey into the retail food segment. Visit the episode notes for details and reference links to information shared during today's discussion. Did you enjoy this episode? That's awesome. Follow our podcast and share with your network. And remember, don't just make it, make it better.